This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, November 26, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Courts have a hard time keeping up with innovative and sometimes constitutionally dubious methods for solving crimes. And yet the privacy implications often take years to discover. Kendall Cotton of Montana's Frontier Institute says his state is often ahead of the curve when it comes to issues of privacy. He details one instance where lawmakers were broadly ahead of entrepreneurial police and offers some advice to other states about where to look to put privacy front and center. I say it all the time, but law enforcement is typically way ahead of the law when it comes to making use of new abilities and powers and technology in order to, you know, we hope for laudable purposes to fight crime. Uh, What has been the relationship between the uses of DNA? That is to say, you know, we lots of people have done 23andMe. Lots of people have uh, contributed their DNA to uh, privately owned databases. What has been the relationship up to now between law enforcement and those those DNA databases? So if you if you ask law enforcement, uh, law enforcement will tell you that this is just something that they use every once in a while uh, when it's needed. Um, they'll point to uh, cases like the the Golden State Killer case in California, where they you know they were able to solve that long standing cold case uh, with uh, you know a DNA database search. Um, in Montana, they had the same story. Um, you know they said that we don't use this, but uh, the one time that we have that they could think of was uh, solving a, a cold a cold case murder of a young girl from Missoula, Montana from 1975. And so the stories can be very compelling. Right. And uh, for law enforcement, they might see nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're looking for guilty people. We're looking for people who actually committed crimes. So what's the risk? Well, well, that's exactly right. It says, you know, fr- from my perspective and from Frontier Institute's perspective, there's nothing wrong with the the law enforcement utilizing technology to uh, be better at their jobs. But where we draw the line is when they're leveraging this technology without the due process protections we have under the, under the law, without uh, a specified warrant of what they're actually looking for, when they're just doing a dragnet search of an entire database of a bunch of innocent people, that's concerning. This looks like something that implicates the third party doctrine. This is something that looks like it uh, implicates your right not to incriminate yourself, quite possibly. So what is what has Montana done and what was the reasoning for doing what they did to prevent police from having essentially carte blanche access to uh, these databases? You know, well, thankfully, we didn't really have this legislation was not really in response to any particular law enforcement event. Um, Montana, you know, when you think of Montana, you think of the ethos like right to be left alone. You know, it's it's you move to Montana to have some elbow room. Um, And we have a long history of passing, uh, you know, nation leading privacy legislation. We were the first state uh, back in 2013 to pass a law that required the the law enforcement to have uh, a warrant to surveil your your cell phone. Um, and that was before the Edward Snowden revelations came out that summer. So, um, you know, we have a long history of trying to be ahead of the curve. And that's the way that uh, I think that lawmakers were viewing this issue. Um, you know, th- they are all very aware, you know, many of them had been on Ancestry.com to research their family histories. And so they're just, um, you know, and I think 
in particular, COVID really made uh, this concern about privacy top of mind. It made it, it, it evolved it from being something that, you know, you're imagining a, a, a NSA bureaucrat, you know, looking at a computer screen, monitoring online activity to being, you know, during COVID, you had contact tracing and you had people calling you up and asking you where you've been, who your contacts were, um, you know, where you go shopping. Um, very personal questions that lawmakers then had a very personal view of privacy. And um, I think when they were looking at this, they said, let's get ahead of the curve and let's make sure that we don't have, uh, you know, bad uh, privacy infringements. We can, we can head this off and pass a law that requires a warrant to do this. And, and how, how did law enforcement respond or how did interest groups that you would expect would not be aligned with this uh, legislative decision? How did they respond? Yeah, it, law, law enforcement responded predictably, you know, and, and like I said at the beginning, you know, their, their case is that, you know, this is hardly ever used and we only use it in the most, you know, the, the, the worst circumstances. I've heard that song before. Exactly. Yeah. Um, they, they say that for a lot of things. Um, but, you know, from, from lawmakers' perspectives, uh, you know, culturally, Montanans are already very keen about privacy. And uh, for them, it was really a no-brainer. Let's, let's put some sideboards on this before it gets out of hand. So uh, what is the lesson here for other states? There are a lot of states that probably ought to be looking at this kind of thing more seriously. And when it comes to law enforcement, they don't wait for permission. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Maybe that's a that's a reasonable thing because they they're interested in solving crimes uh, and the high profile cases that have been presented as helping of having solved uh, crimes uh, point to DNA as a potentially useful tool. So what is the lesson here for other states? Well, I think that being ahead of the curve is extremely useful and it is a great way to protect our rights um, before there's problems. So, um, you know, a, a, a thing I encourage other states to look at is facial recognition. You know, uh, as you said in the beginning, I mean, law enforcement always seems to be uh, at the forefront of new technology and facial recognition is certainly an emerging one. De you know, by other forms of biometric surveillance are emerging. And um, I don't think there's much known about how how often uh, law enforcement utilizes these techniques. And, um, you know, we, we found more and more as we dove into this issue that law enforcement is definitely using them a lot. States may be surprised to learn the degree to which uh, law enforcement is, is able to access uh, these databases. Do the databases themselves have some sort of uh, assurance to the people who use their services that, hey, we're going to require a warrant, we're going to require a subpoena or some something uh, more than a simple request. Yeah, so it depends on the database. Um, so some organizations and, and businesses, you know, have a standard. Um, you know, they say there, there should be evident probable cause uh, for them to allow, you know, law enforcement access or, you know, uh, if there's an imminent emergency or something like that. Um, but uh, other other businesses don't don't have those kind of standards in their in their terms and conditions. And, um, you know, from a from a law enforcement perspective, um, that's uh, open season. So, um, you know, th that's that's one of the weak points in the legislation that Montana passed. Um, you know, it requires a warrant unless a consumer has waived their right to privacy in the terms and conditions um, in, in a DNA database. So um, that's that's something that, you know, we opposed. Um, it was it, it was mostly done to appease probably the opposition. Um, so it is a weak point. But but at the very least, we're setting a standard that there should be probable cause before law enforcement is going into there. And, and well, let's talk about that warrant requirement. Mm -hmm. uh, police get the warrants they ask for 
usually. Exactly. And so I guess it's a little strange to me that police would be uh, up in arms or complain about the fact that they have to practice the basic safeguards for Americans' liberties in order to do their jobs. Yeah, well, and if you listen to law enforcement, you know, they'll say, wow, this is just such a burdensome process to go get a warrant. It is not. It, it isn't. No, no, absolutely. And honestly, it should be. We should have, uh, there should be a burden of proof. And and we really should be particular um, when we're going after a, a suspect. Um, we should be respecting people's innocence um, you know, and, and presumption of innocence. Um, you know, I, I think it's a really good analogy here to liken uh, searching a DNA database uh, in a dragnet search to, um, you know, if I suspect that a, you know, uh, a fugitive is in a town, uh, a small village, and instead of getting a warrant for a particular house that we think that that uh, a person is in, law enforcement just says, we're going to search every house in the village. Um, that is a situation we don't want to have in this country. And we, in a lot of cases, are now having that virtually. Kendall Cotton is the president of the Frontier Institute in Montana. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast pretty much anywhere. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.